Our life in the digital world absolutely has its perks and its flaws. Surveillance, identity theft, cyberbullying, and just the plain old neck pain and eye fatigue we get from staring down at screens. It's enough to make you want to unplug and go full on analog. Many times we tend to frame this conversation as analog versus digital. We take for granted access we may have to Wi-Fi and information. But what if the two sides of this coin were not so much in opposition, maybe more harmonious? What if everyone had access to and autonomy within their digital lives? Technology can penetrate these systems that oppress us to connect us. That's Mother Cyborg, AKA Diana Nucera. She's a musician, a technologist, community organizer, educator, and quilter. This past summer, she had a visual art exhibition involving her quilts at the University of Michigan's Penny Stamps Gallery called Crafting Our Digital Legacy. The exhibition has ended, but today we wanted to revisit our conversation with Nucera. We had a really great conversation with her about the digital world, organizing, and her artistic practice. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. So it may seem counterintuitive to use quilting as an expression of our digital world, but Nucera said that during the conceptual stage of her exhibition, she was thinking a lot about the balance between digital and analog. She broke it down for us. You know, these quilts and this show in particular is a reflection of my organizing uh, work that I have been doing in Detroit for the past 15 years. And a lot of that organizing was around access, education, and just thinking about the politics of technology within our everyday life and also within our relationships with each other and the planet. And those 15 years offered me quite a bit of information from building wireless networks with the Detroit Community Technology Project and Allied Media Projects to just thinking about my own personal growth as a woman of color with technology. So the quilts represent a good 15 years of reflection of what it takes to not just understand, but also educate around these complex relationships that we have with technology. Some of the works in the show have the mathematical precision that we tend to associate with quilts. Feels like a pretty natural mirror for the digital technologies that you're commenting on. I just want to take one example. There's there's a work called Data Stream. Can you describe it? Yeah, Data Stream is very, very colorful, very large, king-size quilt. So you could probably fit a couple people underneath it and snuggle really nicely. Um, <laughs> and it's it's very colorful patchwork. So it actually holds the scraps from all the quilts of the within the that is within the show. And then there's ones and zeros that are iridescent that are sort of coming up and down the creating what looks like a stream on the quilt. So it's a static piece, but it does feel like it's moving if you stare at it long enough. No question. And then there are other works in which the stitching itself and the shapes are, are much more organic. And the handwork is really evident as you look at the quilt. You left seams that are imperfect and seems that really let us understand the human work behind the, you know, the physical product. There's a symmetry there, too, between how identity often resists a nice, neat presentation 
in the same way that we all have, I guess we all kind of have stitches on us. There's a piece in particular that I'm thinking of called Mestizos 404. Can you describe how that one looks and how it's kind of different? Yeah, so Mestizos 404 has a little more structure to it where it's using flying geese, which is uh, our triangles that are pointing in different directions. And there's a couple different types of, of quilt blocks within it, but it's made with traditional Mexican fabric that is handwoven and very, very bright and beautiful, uh, juxtaposed with this natural white cotton. And in the middle is a big neon orange 404 that's spelled out with satin. And together it's woven, it's stitched up, and quilted up in part that's also quite messy. There's a, there's some embroidery in there to represent the resiliency of the immigration story because Mestizos um, 404 really reflects some of the complexities of being mixed and also assimilation within the immigrant story of my family. Yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit of your family's story? Sure. It's complex. I came from two immigrants, one from Sicily, another from Colombia, grew up in a small town in Indiana, factory workers. My mother was a seamstress, so I grew up with a sewing room in the basement that I was always so fascinated with. I was always quite different in my family, so large as well as the darkest, and I'm also very queer, and that came out very early. And so growing up in a small town of Indiana with pretty conservative immigrants that really did accept the Republican ways, I was somewhat ostracized at a, at a young age. So I didn't, I don't really have a deep connection with my family or my heritage. So a lot of this quilting was doing repair work for myself. I'm a little bit of a misfit because of my queer identity being not accepted within my family, that I find art as a way of understanding what legacies I have and what I can put into the world in probably the most queerest way possible, which is without the traditional family. And hopefully that all makes sense. Yeah. Are you self-taught as a quilter? Yes, ma'am. Sure am. It's interesting because, you know, like I said, I grew up with tailors in my house, so they were all making garments. Um, I was never taught this stuff. It was quite frustrating for my family to teach me for some reason. But garments have always been very hard for me. But when I sat down to do patchwork and begin doing quilting, which is putting these pieces together and it's a lot more flat, something just intensely clicked. All of a sudden, all the doodles that I do made sense. And the ways of which I think about shape and everything just kind of clicked. And so it just, it really feels like a dormant skill that I've been able to explore because of the pandemic. Yeah. It's really hard to overstate the warmth and energy that these works generate out of your color choices and materials. I mean, a lot of quilters get traction off the interplay between different kinds of fabrics and different patterns, solid colors versus patterns. I was really curious about your studio process in sort of marrying these materials as you were putting the quilts together, recognizing, again, that this is something that went on over several years, and you were probably working in, in many moods at many different times. Could you talk a little bit about just piecing things together? Sure. So, you know, like I was saying before, 
there was a lot of reflection on what I learned in my community organizing. And some of that included the struggle of like really showing and sharing the complexity that technology brings. And all my work's been about building agency because I do believe, and there's a quote in the show that says, your self-determination is much stronger and more powerful than any algorithm. And I started thinking about the role of the wall in standing in front of a piece that is put on a wall and how powerful that can be if you offer a safe space. So the colors and the materials are all intentionally chosen to create a warmth as well as almost like an eye-crossing experience so that you can get sort of sucked into the imagery and be able to sit with the subject matter. Because the subject matter is all about surveillance. It's all about data criminalization and surveillance capitalism. So it's all very tough stuff. So it felt really important to use color as a communication tool that was welcoming and also it created a sense of awe because these are very complex subjects. And to me, the power of art is it offers an in-between space to think about these things, to discover what our agency can be, and also have some time to think about what is. So as I was quilting, you know, as I would pick the colors, I studied a lot of Joseph Alberts to understand the reaction that color have next to each other, and thought that was so incredible. And when thinking about, like, as in my organizing, where some of the most precious moments were intergenerational and multicultural. So I was really trying to bring together how these opposites create like a harmony, because I'm always thinking about what it takes to create spaces in which people can learn and grow with each other. So the color is quite intentional. The fabric is all cotton sourced from different quilt shops around, sourced from local dyers and local weavers, and also, you know, a trip to Joanne's, which is unfortunately unavoidable sometimes. Even for contemporary artists such as yourself, that makes me feel a little bit better. Okay. <laughs> More with Diana Nucera after the break. We'll be right back. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Diana, a lot of your work is aimed at demystifying and creating access within the digital world, giving people agency through analog art. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how you hit on the idea of, of quilting as a vehicle? to do this and, and how crafting our digital legacy, you know, how that work happens within this show in your mind? Yes, great question. So thinking about how technology is 
not very tactile, makes it very complicated to to teach and to critique. It's hard to pinpoint exactly the effect that data has on our lives because it happens in the air and in our minds and through our interactions on our devices. So it's it's almost like whimsical technology because it changes so fast too. So it felt really important to find a medium to speak about these lessons that I've learned over the past 15, 20 years in organizing that can be relatable and accessible. And quilting has a history of being the people's medium. It's a revolutionary, collaborative project that used to happen amongst several groups within African-American communities that organized together, also within women's rights groups. There's just a lot of instances, particularly in this country, in which the process of quilting was part of the organizing of radical things. And that felt like creating my own legacy while also sharing with people the legacy that we are leaving the next generation with, which is this very complex technological era that is reliant on our data, yet we have no idea exactly what that is. So I very much wanted to create an analog, tactile way of explaining and showing this complexity while offering beauty and color and inspiration so that it's not scary because it's reality. And the thing is, is that technology can do incredible things to liberate us. And it's often that we, you know, blame the tech for being biased, but it's the people and the culture of which we use technology. So my work at this point is really trying to show that, that actually we are in control of the future and it really relies on our vision. I'm hoping that this work, if anything, gives people some knowledge to work with and also some motivation to either make change or even just vision another world in which technology is used through need and not just commerce. Like We are not just buying things because they're new, but we are using and making technology that actually advances and liberates us. I can't remember a time when I've had so much enjoyment just reading the title cards in an art exhibition. You really kind of break down a fourth wall in how you're communicating with people who are just, you know, looking to get the title of the work and maybe a little bit of detail about it. You write in first person and sometimes second person and really offers some really interesting insights into these works. There's one quilt called The System System, in which the title card reads in part, there's always something that can crash the system. And you're sort of talking about how it's hard to comprehend what may upend the digital future that we're living, but that inevitably, you know, systems do crash, and humanity still endures through all this I wonder if you could talk a little bit about coming to that realization, because a lot of times when we don't have agency over our digital lives, it just seems like there's no end to how we're being used and abused. And it may seem that there's no hope for how we and our data are being used. Yeah, and I think that's the part of it that 
my work is a little unique is that I do have a posi-core vibe when it comes to technology, which is unique. And I do often think about like, where the heck did you get this from? And of course, it all stems from my organizing in Detroit through allied media projects. Like I have seen neighborhoods just come together, problem solve, build wireless networks. I have seen through the allied media conference groups build these like lifelong relationships through video conferencing that happened there. I will never forget the moment. I think it was a 2007 or 2008 Allied Media Conference way back in the day. Skype just came out and we had a session in which we Skyped with Palestine. It was a uh, youth from Detroit and Brooklyn were Skyping with youth in Palestine with apartheid borders. It really showed us that technology can penetrate these systems that oppress us to connect us. And I think because of the work that I did at Allied Media Projects for so long, I was able to see the other side. I was able to help people understand their own potential with technology. And in that light that, that kind of comes in one's eye when they realize their own power is something that I live for. I feel like I... Am a natural educator and lover of creation, that it does feel as if my purpose is to offer that space or at least of a sort of path for one to kind of find themselves through creativity and, and even like in connection with each other. So I think it was, you know, being able to witness how transformative technology can be that I came to this place of, of really thinking about it as a liberatory tool. Diana, it's been really a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your process. Yeah, thank you so much for seeing me. I appreciate you. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Dare. You can find full Stateside episodes when you're ready for more art, more artists, and more listening at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by our podcast editor, Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kavansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for today's podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you for listening. We hope you're having a good December and getting kind of crafty, too. See you next time. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.